Once more, we read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. I'm remembering, uh, remembering seeing photos of the tabernacle with the words above the musicians on the platform wall, be reconciled to God. That um, was there for quite some time, before my time. Uh, eventually was removed, but uh, the word of God still has those words, be reconciled to God. The salvation experience is, is described in different ways. Reconciliation, justification, regeneration, adoption, salvation, and a new creation, and perhaps more. But those uh, terms comprise the theological aspect of uh, God's plan of salvation. But in addition to that, there is the experiential aspect of it. So it's more than academic. It's an instantaneous experience whereby one is made right with God. Our sins forgiven and held against us no more. But here we see first reconciliation is the opposite of what we read of irreconcilable differences in no-fault divorce cases. It's not like agree to disagree or not like mediated settlements that leave no party settled. We we know about reconciliation if we have a bank account. We show a certain balance on our books. We receive a bank statement, and the bank statement shows a different balance, typical, typically. The bank doesn't reconcile to us. We reconcile to the bank. So the bank is always right. Well, once in a while, you hear a read of someone receiving a surprise of a $1 million deposit to their account. And the first thing that comes to my mind, well, you better not spend it too quickly because if it showed up there uh, when it shouldn't have, it's going to disappear when it should. But in all my years, I've never seen a bank error. I've thought, or clients thought, they saw a bank error, and that's one thing I love about accounting is the books balance. They really do. And typically... The error is on the part of the client of the customer of the bank rather than on the bank. But you must reconcile. You have deductions in your book, on your books that the bank doesn't know about yet or you made a deposit that the bank has not showed yet. But ultimately, the reconciliation occurs and you agree that the bank had it right all along and you're in harmony with the bank account. Well, we, uh, we see in our relationship with God, we must be reconciled to Him, not He reconciled to us. In our relationship, all fault lies with us and none with Him. 
His terms are non-negotiable. If an individual tries to get, get saved on his or her terms, he will leave in the same condition he came. That's why we sing the song, I surrender all. I give it all up. I'm wrong. You're right. I want to be reconciled. So that's uh, what reconciliation is. We're guilty and condemned before God and find ourselves in need of an advocate. Well, that advocate exists. His name is Jesus. He's a high priest. In Hebrews 2.17, uh, he's a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. The prodigal son is an example of one who was reconciled to his father, not his father to him. We read that he said to himself when he decided this is not going so well for me, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, let's talk about this. No, he didn't. I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son, but make me as one of thy hired servants. Just receive me back. I don't care what the consequences are. I just want to be back in the family. And they were reconciled. The father, obviously, graciously and lovingly and enthusiastically uh, received him. And he uh, was part of a feast that took place. And ultimately, we read that he had an older brother who wasn't so reconciled as he thought he was in the end. But that's... uh, not the, the part of this account where we were looking at. They, they, that's an example of reconciliation taking place. We see justification. In our magazine, that is listed as one of the core doctrines that have exist, existed since the beginning of this work in our magazines. That doctrine existed before our first magazine was printed, but uh, because it's Bible doctrine, as they all are, But justification stands in contrast to condemnation. It's a a legal, in a sense. It's a changing in our standing before God. We read in Romans 5.18, By the offense of one, judgment came upon all to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. So we're rendered innocent though we were guilty. I had an occasion of that when I was in high school or perhaps just barely out of high school. I was a part of the, it would have been high school because I was part of FFA, Future Farmers of America. And you can judge for yourself that that didn't work out as far as my future goes. But anyway, I was part of that uh, uh, group. And uh, as part of a fundraising activity, we someone donated some hay that was in their barn. And so we loaded up the, the truck. I didn't uh, do the loading, actually, but was tossing the bales to the guy who was and uh, drove off to where it was to be delivered. And I was the driver. No one else was with me. And... Uh, I got stopped by the police. He, he claimed that the truck was loaded in a manner that made it over width. And he was right. It was loaded 
sloppily, but the bales were loosely baled, and so they were a bit sloppy to load. So I'm defending the, the one who, who loaded it. But I didn't. I appeared before, before the judge a few days later, and um, I was guilty. The truck was too, too wide. I owed the money. He wanted to know uh, the circumstances, so I told him. And once he understood that it was a non-profit a situation, and I didn't, I didn't blame the guy who loaded the, the truck, by the way. I just uh, I didn't have time for that. Uh, what do I do? I'm guilty. And uh, he, uh, he relieved me of the penalty. I was rendered innocent, absolved, pardoned. So if you go to the, the Douglas County Courthouse and go back a few decades, dig through the basement files, dust them off, and look in there. If that record even exists, it's stamped pardoned. That's what happens in justification. In justification, we stand before God as though we never sinned. If I had not told you about that over with the ticket, there would be no record of it that you would ever see, not even at the judgment bar of God would it be brought up against me. I was pardoned, absolved of all penalties. Well, it's one thing to stand before a judge with a minor ticket like that, and another, uh, quite altogether different, to stand before God when we have uh, accumulated uh, a debt we cannot pay. We need an advocate who pays a debt that he did not owe, and that's, again, Jesus. He, the only thing lacking at the courthouse uh, that day, would have been a third party stepping forward and saying to the judge, I'll pay that for him. Put it on my record. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. I love that song, The Old Account Was Settled Long Ago, that we sing in the tabernacle. I think it's number 236, but... I, uh, don't hold it against me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but that's justification. We uh, have the penalty uh, we deserved has been dismissed. We also see regeneration. Justification is the, the legal, as I mentioned, or, or outward uh, standing. Regeneration is the experiential or inward work. Justification is what happens with the paperwork. A regeneration is what happens in the heart. Justification restores uh, us to God's favor. Regeneration restores, uh, restores God's nature within us. Justification imputes righteousness. Regeneration imparts righteousness. It means to be born of the Spirit rather than, or in addition to, being born of the flesh. It depends how you want to interpret that which is flesh is flesh. It could be the natural birth or it could be the fact that we inherited Adam's corrupt nature. Either way, a new birth is needed to inherit or to see the kingdom of God. Titus 3, 5 uh, reminds us that according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. We see adoption in the Bible. 
This experience is more than being brought into harmony with God. We are received into God's family. And they, we have uh, in our congregation a number of adoptive parents who can speak to this um, in a much more qualified manner than I can. But Romans speaks of it too. He, he says, you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth with our wit, with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We sing the song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. We didn't used to be. We didn't deserve to be. We didn't go looking to be. But one came looking after us, and we were brought in to the family of God and have all the the privileges of what the Bible calls sonship, but what Romans also uh, says that we are children of God. So if you want to call that daughtership, then go ahead. We also see salvation. Perhaps that's the term we most frequently use rather than these other terms, but uh, the angel told Joseph, not to fear, to take unto him Mary, his wife. So that, because that which was conceived in her was of the Holy Ghost. And he was uh, told that you should call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So what are we saved from? We're saved from sinning. If you're still sinning, you're still not saved. Sometimes we can save ourselves from some things, even if difficult. I'm reminded of a trip we took years ago. Actually, I believe we lived in Eureka and went to Southern California and ended up uh, a day or two at Pismo Beach. Actually, it was this time of year because it was stormy and we were uh, we, we went boogie boarding. We rented wet suits and the boogie boards and uh, ended up in those waters and the waves came up and I, I was out there uh, really not that far out but it was very deep and the waves were just very very high and of course the, the fun of boogie boarding is you, you kind of get on top of that wave like a surfer might and uh, you're on your stomach on the boogie board and that wave just carries you right in and it's just a great old time unless you can't get on top of the wave and so we were out there, uh, Elisa and I, and I, I thought I could, could get in, but I didn't want to leave her out there. So here we're talking about the roar of the waves, and there it is, come crashing one after another. And we were trying to get on top, but she couldn't get on top. I don't know if I could get on top uh, or not, but we were starting to wonder, we, you know, we, we didn't know the outcome of this. And finally, a wave came, and it's like it picked us both up and shot us right in onto the sandy shore. And we, to this day, we call it the wave of deliverance. It was fun. So we were able to save ourselves, but that's not like it is in sin. How many testimonies have you heard or even experienced where you tried to do the best you could, but you ended up lapsing back into defeat right away? We need a deliverer. We need a savior. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. <clears throat> Jesus 
is one who, the only one who can deliver us. We can't do it ourselves. When we find ourselves sinners, it's more than a predicament like we experience at Pismo Beach or a little bit of a dilemma or awkward situation. It's impossible. There's no hope. You can't do it. You can't extract yourself from that uh, condition, which is the nature. And as a result, you cannot prevent yourself from sinning more and more because what drives from within will lead to what comes out, whether it manifests itself in actions or simply in thoughts. There's, there's deliverance. And don't forget, if Jesus can save you, how did he save you? He saved you as a result of your surrender to him. As a result of you acknowledging your helplessness and asking him to forgive you and save you, he showed himself your savior. If he's able to, to save you, he's able to keep you saved. How do you keep saved? By continuing to be surrendered. Well, what happens if you don't like feel so great or don't feel so saved? Well, you heard me ask you the question before. At what point did you decide you no longer wanted to be saved? To get saved, you had to choose to be saved. To backslide, you must choose, I'm not going to serve God any longer. And that's not to be used for a cover of, uh, of um, misconduct or obvious uh, sins, but it is to be used as a reminder that it's pretty hard to get unsaved. You have to want to be saved. You have to want to be unsaved. So don't let the devil beat you over the head, uh, threatening you and tormenting you. You have liberty in Jesus Christ. So you praise, you praise God for that. So we see here salvation, and we see in our text a new creation. In, in the beginning, sometimes the earth uh, being without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep is described as chaos. I have a little trouble describing it that way, because God was there, and I, I, we're not going to ascribe chaos uh, to God. Um, if you want to call it chaos, call it an ordered chaos or an intentional chaos until God said, let there be light, and, and God began to assign order. He could have done it all at once, but he chose to do it in six days instead, resting the seventh day. But that, that is what he does in life. You can ascribe chaos to the unsaved condition. Paul lived a life of chaos. He, he plundered the church, persecuted the church and wasted it. And more, he was an enemy of the church. And he was a man filled with rage and vengeance, uh, seeking to imprison uh, Christians. He did not like these people stood and held the coats of the garments of those who stoned Stephen, and he was happy about it. But was he happy? He was a mess. He was miserable. Misery and Christianity do not coexist. If you're living that way, you need to be reconciled to God first. But that's what sin brings. It brings chaos. It brings shame. 
That's what it brought to Adam and Eve, the first sin. Where do you find them? After they disobeyed God, you find them hiding out, afraid that God might discover them. Well, they were a bit in denial, weren't they? But that's what sin does. It, it, uh, we're estranged uh, from our maker. And the only one to be brought into harmony uh, with our maker, the only way, is to be reconciled to him, not him to us. And that's what happened on the Damascus Road with Paul the Apostle as he breathed out uh, threatenings against the Lord. Notice, it's against the Lord. He thought it was against the people, but it was against the Lord. And the Lord confronted him in the form of a light that shone brighter than the noonday sun. He fell to the ground, that uh, dusty road, sandy road perhaps, Who is it, Lord? I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. I thought I was persecuting these people. No, your problem is with me. You need to be reconciled to God. Well, he ended up, I love that street called Straight, where they had a prayer meeting. I'm not sure if he got saved on the road to Damascus or in that prayer meeting on the street called Straight, but I'll tell you, he was straightened out after the prayer meeting. He was reconciled to God. So no matter what you call it, reconciliation, justification, regeneration, adoption, salvation, a new creation. Either way, if you're in an unsaved state, you can be reconciled to God today. A new life awaits you. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. How can that be? This grown man, puzzled over it, though he was a scholar. This isn't, uh, well, it is to a degree academic, but it's experiential. You don't have to understand the theology. You don't need to know the theology. I didn't. I had never heard of any of these terms, except I didn't even reconcile my bank account. You know, I was single and young and and working. I had money and just knew it was there and didn't write very many checks and and there it was, but uh, I wasn't reconciled to God, I'll tell you that. I didn't know anything about it. I sat in that church service in the Apostolic Faith uh, Church on March 17, 1974, St. Patrick's Day, which I didn't know about that either, but I still don't know. I care to know about it even now, really. But uh, I, I, I heard a message and saw people unlike Anything I'd ever seen before in my life, I, I marveled. And that's all. I mean, I didn't know, I had no reason to disbelieve that God existed, but really had no experience to know that God existed either. But that all changed later that night. The power of God uh, came uh, in that room where I was trying to sleep and, uh, God gave me that prayer. I'd never remember being taught to pray. Lord, uh, forgive me for my sins, and I don't know how I can ever do it, but if you, if you help me, I'll try to serve you. And that was, uh, this experience kind of came and went through the night, and that was the third time uh, that it happened. And I told you before that I ascribe it to March 17, 1974, but I kind of lost track of time as this was all going on through the night, and it was probably on a Monday 
But I better not stand up on a Monday when we sing that song because I've always stood up on Sunday. And I don't want you to think I've had to start over. But uh, anyway, uh, the power of God went through my being after that uh, third. Uh, that's when the prayer came, is after that third encounter that night. And I was, I didn't know it, but I was a new creature in Christ Jesus. I, I had no idea what had happened. All I knew was I was paralyzed with fear at the thought that God existed. And, uh, you know, I went back to the campus there in Oregon State or an apartment off campus, and uh, the buddies wanted to come over. Well, they did come over because we were used to going out on Friday and or Saturday evenings and doing whatever mischief we did. And I, I still didn't know what had happened really except I was praying every day and uh, trying to figure this out. And, and so I didn't have a really good answer. Well, maybe it was a good answer. I just said, I'm not going to do that anymore. They, they, their jaws dropped and uh, they left without me. I didn't do it anymore. Nobody had told me, you won't do those things anymore. And it was another month before I got back into an Apostolic uh, meeting and I didn't know about saved and all that. I still remember uh, praying at the altar in that Roseburg service, and they're trying to explain to me salvation uh, or being saved and the old things will pass away and all things become new. And, and uh, suddenly the, I, I said, well, that, that happened. Actually, I think this was two months later. That happened two months ago. And I realized that, that it began to kind of gel in my mind. But I'd already experienced it. I was already making restitutions. Uh, I was no longer sinning. I had been saved from sinning. The profanity-laced uh, tongue that I had, it, yeah, the tongue was still g- there, but the profanity, gone. In an instant of time. The sinful habits and appetites, gone. In an instant of time. Without having ever been taught. Without having ever uh, understood or, or known the theology. Without having ever attended church on any regular basis whatsoever. I don't know what you want to call it today, but I called it saved, justified, rendered innocent, absolved of all the misdeeds from a child uh, through into the age 21. I kind of like that. It's available. If you've never experienced it, we're going to have a time of prayer. And those of you here in the sanctuary, as long as you keep distance, are encouraged to pray. This is a house of prayer. And those of you in your homes or, or wherever you're watching this, we encourage you to pray. Uh, look to God. He will save your soul. You will be reconciled to Him. Oh, that's a good feeling, but more than a good feeling. It's a good standing. It'll, it'll get you into heaven. God bless you as we sing this song.